Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. It is the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take calls, we don't tolerate sponsors, but we do help you focus on the events of the week through the lens of original thought. And of course, last week will go down as the week in history. The great, the greatest week, maybe one of the greatest weeks, one of the greater weeks, perhaps. The week when history will remember that even the truckers in America came off as a bunch of sissies. That's right. As we stand here at the far end of American civilization, even the truckers, they all gathered together and they had a take our border back, but really, really nicely rally <laughs> down near Eagle Pass, Texas. And they issued, they issued statements insisting the last thing they wanted was conflict as they showed up at a place where there had been a brewing conflict between the government of Texas and the federal government. There was a conflict brewing, and is still brewing and percolating to some degree. But the truckers all showed up with uh, barbecue, food trucks, merch, T-shirts, and they held a, basically a barbecue and said, we don't want conflict unless... Unless you show up and you're a Christian with signs and banners and making speeches against the queers and the Muslims that are really at the heart of the issue. If, if, if you're one of those, then we want conflict. In fact, uh, we'll kick you out. So the truckers and the bikers and the, I don't know what to call them. I, I can't call them patriots. I don't know what they are. You know what they are? They're the, they're the refuse floating in the fumes of what was American greatness, is what they are. With their tattoos and their merch and their t-shirts and their... I, th I, think, uh, I think the most violent thing that happened was... Uh, the most violent thing at the Take Our Border Back rally was I think Ted Nugent gave a speech sponsored by Depends. That that was the closest thing. And then he didn't even play guitar because that would have been too loud. That might have caused conflict. And the last thing anyone wanted was conflict. You know, it's only the, the country's been seized by a criminally insane gang of perverts who are importing tens of millions of people who might be terrorists or criminals. Who No, nobody really knows. Last thing we'd want is any conflict over that. Unless you're a Christian and you have a sign that says anything against the queers and the Muslims who are actually at the heart of the whole border issue. That's right. The queers, the, the free reign of queers and Muslims is the symptom, it's the primary symptom of godlessness. The godlessness that has led to a criminally insane cult of perverts seizing the government and, at the very least, replacing all the free people with slaves that they allow to sneak into the country, or, at the very worst, importing a bunch of terrorists who are going to blow us up and, and shoot people at the mall and stab people. at That's at the very worst. But uh, don't show up and, and say anything about the Muslims and the queers that uh, the, the traitors in the government are in league with, because that would just be too offensive. You don't want to scare Ted Nugent. <laughs> poor guy. Okay, so from there, we go to the almost war file, where last week uh, news reports were promulgated that the Biden administration had significant plans that they had approved for a series of strikes over a number of days against targets inside Iraq and Syria against Iranian-backed militias. And as the 
As the news of the plans was promulgated, one correspondent asked uh, one of the members of the aforementioned criminally insane cult of perverts. She, she said, um, all of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard commanders have gone and they've left Syria and they've gone into hiding. The Pentagon usually doesn't telegraph so much if it wants the element of surprise, unquote. So the news reporters say, well, why is the news coming out if you want to kill the if you want to kill the men who are in charge of these these attacks? Why would you warn everyone exactly where you're going to strike? And then because we can see that they're they're like posting up on Facebook. What? We're going back out of Syria before Biden dropped the bomb. There's posts up on Facebook. The guys are leaving. Uh, the, the Biden administration, did they respond? No, they didn't respond really because they don't have to. Because the media is in their pocket. And I'm going to get to that. Why is that? That the American uh, corporate media seems to work hand in hand with the criminally insane pervert cult. How is that? How did that ever happen? Because it used to be we had a free press, and the free press used to embarrass politicians. Right? Chase them down and stick a camera in their face and make them answer questions, you remember? I mean, those of you born after 1980 don't remember, because I don't think it's happened since then. Um, but the, but it used to have, we used to have a free press that actually tried to catch politicians when they were lying, cheating, stealing, all that stuff. But, uh, now they seem to be in their pocket. Well, this correspondent just mentioned that, you know, in announcing all these strikes and saying that they're going to be in Iraq and Syria, have you thought about the possibility that the commanders might just go back to Iran because they assume, well, you didn't say Iran. And so the, the administration responded by saying, well, you know, we don't believe Tehran has full control of the terrorist groups that it funds. Wink, wink, nod, nod, which means we're not going to bomb Iran, which means if you're, a, if you're a Revolutionary Guard commander, get to Iran immediately. Because we're going to blow up some stuff in Iraq and Syria, and we're going to kill some of your uh, ground troops, some of your foot soldiers. So anyway, uh, so that 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 all happened. And then, of course, the strikes have occurred now over this past week, as far as we know. I mean, that's what we're being told by the regime and by the media. Do we know that it's true? Actually, we don't. And, and now there's always been a healthy skepticism of the government uh, and even of the media to some degree. It's always good to be skeptical. You don't believe everything you read. You don't believe everything you hear. And certainly even these days, you don't believe everything you see. But now there is a significant disconnect between the government's media complex and the people in that our default position is to assume they're lying. And that's dangerous. So have we actually struck targets in Syria and uh, where Iraq? I don't know. I do know that they're saying they have. And uh, the, on Sunday, uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, as embarrassing as that is to say, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, uh, that's Barack Obama's National Security Advisor, by the way. Did, did, has anyone noticed that? Oh, yeah, I'm just pointing that out. Uh, he said on a, on a, uh, a cable news channel, well, here, listen to how Breitbart reports this. Jake Sullivan said on CNN's State of the Union that the United States will take additional action, but he would not specify ruling out Iran. Meaning, I'm not going to specify that we rule out bombing Iran. And then you read the story and you read what was actually said in the interview. And uh, the, the anchor over there at CNN's State of the Onion asked... Jake Sullivan, inside Iran, would you rule out that at this point? Would you rule out bombing inside Iran? Huh? Sullivan said, quote, I'm not going to rule in and rule out any activity anywhere. 
I am going to say the president is going to defend our forces and also that he is not looking to get into a war. Unquote. Did you catch that last sentence? That means he did rule out bombing Iran. If anyone's listening and paying attention and has any idea that words mean things, what he just said is, we're not going to bomb Iran. And so the international, or what are they called, the Revolutionary Guard there in Iran, they know they can still hunker down inside Iran until the bombs stop going off and the dust clears there in Syria and Iraq, and then they can return. Now, this is, again, from the almost war file. After significant coordinated strikes now, this week, and, and, and possibly into the weekend and into the next week, we are seeing significant coordinated strikes by American and British forces. I say that we should expect at least a week of peaceful transit for commercial shipping through the Red Sea. These coordinated efforts between American and British forces, fighter jets that cost tens of millions of dollars each, missiles, bombs, laser-guided, all this coordinated by the two mightiest military forces in the history of mankind. I predict that we... No, I can't say I predict. I expect that the world should receive at least one week of peaceful transit through the Red Sea. Let's see. You start the timer right now. Can we get seven days without a rocket attack on either a military ship or, or, or a commercial liner? Let's see. How effective will the strikes of American and British forces be? American and British forces, by the way, Otherwise known as gay and bisexual forces. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I'm sorry. I know, it's sad. But uh, they are naval forces as well. So he's like a double whammy. Okay, uh, so there, there's the war for the, uh, the week. Um, but uh, behind the scenes, we go to jihadwatch.org for a report about, again... Pentagon Chief of Staff Ariane Tabatabai, which we've reported on here. And the shocking thing is, she's still a Pentagon Chief of Staff. That's right. Uh, Jihad Watch reports in September 2023, Pentagon Chief of Staff Ariane Tabatabai, who's an Iranian immigrant, was accused of having worked as an agent for the Tehran regime. That's right. Remember, she worked for uh, Biden, Obama henchman Robert Malley, who became uh, the uh, Obama-Biden Iran envoy under the uh, Biden puppet administration. He was suspended and is under active investigation for mishandling classified documents. Mishandling classified documents? That's putting it pretty nicely. He's been a spy for the Iranians. But he's only under investigation for mishandling classified documents because, well, it's the Obama-Biden administration doing the investigating. Uh, anyway, on G in January 2024, we all know that the terrorist regime in Iran launched their most successful single attack against the us, targeting uh, the living quarters of military forces on a base in Jordan known as Tower 22. It's basically, a, it's, it's an apartment tower, but it's military housing, housing American military on a base, on an air base in Jordan. The drone attack would normally have been intercepted, but Iran precisely timed the arrival of their drone to match that of an American drone returning home. We reported on this last week, and it had slipped past me, me not being a, a counterintelligence analyst, I didn't realize that, uh, gee, that's kind of unusual that they could time their drone to return at the exact same time as our drone to trick our radar so we didn't really see their drone. Well, in the confusion, the Islamic drone was not intercepted 
And it blew up at the apartment complex, killing three American military and wounding over 30 others, by the way, which you don't hear anything about. How bad are these people wounded? You know, when a bomb goes off in an apartment complex, people get hurt pretty badly. But I haven't seen a, 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 a story or a GoFundMe for anyone whose eyes might have been blown out or their limbs blown off. You don't hear anything about it. Anyway, three killed, 30 wounded. We all know about this. The Iranians had known where the living quarters on the base were, what our procedures for drone arrivals and departures were, and when one of our drones would be coming back. How? How did they know all that? Well, Jihad Watch reports that we don't know exactly how they know that, but one thing we know is that they knew. And it's hard to believe that it could have happened without either sloppiness, close observation, or inside information. And Occam's Razor would say, pursue the simplest, most direct possibility. Could it be that we just got sloppy? Could it be that they've got boots on the ground on the base watching? Or could it be that there's a traitor within our own ranks giving them inside information? It's the Weekly Worldview. I almost started singing along. I almost couldn't help it there. Kind of, kind of takes you away. You know, you, you need something to distract you from the fact that the nation's being overthrown by traitors. And so if just for a moment you can distract yourself, it can uh, prevent uh, not, not suicidal ideations, homicidal ideations. Um. And, and so we have none of those now because. So what is it possible that that assets put in place by Robert Malley and Ariane Tabatabai are now fifth column traitors getting Americans killed, which, by the way, that's a euphemism for killing Americans. Anyway, a heads should roll. And, and, and uh, well, the truth will come out. Hopefully it'll come out on this side of eternity. And we won't have to wait until Judgment Day. But either way, we'll find out, Ariana, and, and all the rest of you uh, at, the, at the top of the pile of the criminally insane pile of perverts who've somehow managed to seize Western civilization. And what are they doing? Listen to this. This is from the not-so-great replacement file. According to the Centers for Disease Control, in September 2023, there were 305,000 live births in the United States. So stop the press right there. Why is the Centers for Disease Control in charge of tabulating live births? It's almost as if the criminally insane perverts think that live births are a disease. I mean, it's just weird. You'd think they'd have a more positive bureaucracy set up for counting the live births of babies rather than the Centers for Disease Control. The Centers for Disease and Control. <laughs> You just think, I mean, if I'm in charge of the government, number one, I wouldn't count babies because it's nobody's business. If you have a baby, that's kind of a private thing. I mean, eventually the kid's going to grow up. He's going to have to pay taxes. We'll find out about him. Until then, yeah, you know, just keep it to yourself. We don't necessarily need to know. But if I had to count the babies, I would have, a, I don't know, a department of live birth. I Maybe. I, I wouldn't be counting them, frankly. It bothers me that they even count babies. 
But anyway, for whatever reason, good or bad, we know that in September 2023, there were 305,000 live births in the United States. And down at the southern border, there were 341,000 migrant encounters. That's a nice way of saying illegal alien encounters. So 305,000 live births, 341,000 illegal aliens encountered at the border. Hmm, let me do the math real quick because I matriculated into government schools. I'm not very good at it. I'll write it down. Hmm, seems like there's more illegals entering our country than children being born. In fact, that's just the migrant encounters. So multiply that times three. That's easily multiply it by three to, to figure out how many people actually got into the country. There's three times as many illegals being imported into the country by the pile of perverts at the top in Washington than there is babies being born in the country. And people say the great replace the, the replacement theory is some kind of a, a it's a conspiracy theory. It's like a Nazi white supremacist conspiracy theory. Well, you got more illegals coming in than babies being born. And by the way, that's babies being born to Mexicans and black guys and white guys, not just us white supremacists. It's, it's, it's not just those of us who have a, a secret portrait of Adolf Hitler in our closets and we're just praying for the opportunity to, <laughs> to pounce on black and brown people and stomp them out. It's not just us. These are black babies, brown babies, yellow babies. All the babies of the colors of the rainbow are being outnumbered by the, by the illegals. All right. <clears throat> anyway, if you want to come to my house, you can look in all my closets. See if I have my portrait of Hitler up there as a uh, white supremacist, of course. Uh, I invite you over. Um, of course, if I were to do that, I would hide my portrait of Hitler first, right? <laughs> you think I'm going to... You know, what do you think? I'm a dummy? All right. All right. Now, speaking of all that, now this is just depressing and, and um, it just needs to be reported on. That's all. Uh, you may have heard about the three football fans who went to their friend's house to watch a football game. On a, on, a, on a Friday, I believe. Well, on a weekend, anyway. They go to their friend's house. They watch the football game. Two days later, they're found frozen to death in the backyard. It's a strange story, right? Strange, sad, bizarre. Uh, begs the question, you know, what the heck was going on there, right? Well, it turns out, that uh, the three men, David Harrington, Clayton McGinney, and Ricky Johnson, insert here three of your friends or any three friends you know or any three Americans who grew up since 1980. Insert any three names. David, Clayton, and Ricky were found dead in the backyard of a Kansas City area house on January 9th. They had gone to the home. Of Jordan Willis, insert your name here, or any other name of any other guy you know. They had gone to his house to watch a football game. They went there two days earlier. They were discovered two days later by one of the men's wives and or girlfriends, and they were frozen to death in the backyard. One of them sitting in a folding chair. Still sitting up. I know. That's why it's just, it was really bizarre to read the story. Well, toxicology reports are in. Now, it had already been assumed that the men were drinking alcohol. That goes without saying, because this is America. And this is four single to semi-single young. These guys were not too young. I mean, it looked like they're in their mid-30s, maybe or later 30s, actually. Anyway, they weren't just children. But we assume that they were watching football over the weekend, and we assume they were drinking alcohol, probably to excess. Toxicology reports are in now that indicate THC, cocaine, and fentanyl were found in the victims' bodies. Well, everything. See, it's like, yeah, what, what wasn't there? <laughs> you know, for crying out loud. Uh, no vitamin C or D or K or... Pretty much just uh, cocaine, THC, and fentanyl. 
so the, here we are, th- these three men um, who are obviously uh, victims of their own negligence first, right? To get so intoxicated that you can sit and freeze to death, that's negligent. But I also assert that these three men are victims of government education and the pop culture and divorce. That's, I'm just going to guess that. I'm going to guess they all went to public school. I'm going to guess that all three of them were influenced by the pop culture that told them the way you have fun is to become intoxicated and have sex with as many people as you want. That's that's what they've been taught since they were born. How do I know? Because that's what I was taught. And then divorce. I I will I will predict that at least two of the three victims' parents were divorced, if not all of them. So these guys are victims of, uh, to some degree themselves. And the friend who owned the house where the guys died, this the guy who stayed inside, he didn't freeze to death. I mean, he might have been drunk, but, you know, he wasn't completely wasted. And he stayed inside and he didn't die. He's checked himself into rehab. He said, this is an enormous wake-up call for me. And hopefully this is a wake-up call to all young men in America. What you've been told by the pop culture, that the way you have fun is to uh, drink and take drugs until you can't see and you fall over, it's not. That's not how you actually have fun. And uh, the pop culture is a lie, and it's misleading, and it's misguiding you, and it, it could get you killed. I mean, it did get these guys killed, I mean, physically and immediately, uh, but it could get you killed in an even bigger sense eternally, right? It could destroy your soul. Anyway, so this is an embarrassing way to die, right? Can you imagine you wake up and in, 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 in it's judgment day and, and, and God asks, like, what, what were you doing? And you're like, well, I was really wasted and I, I didn't realize I was freezing to death. And, and, then, and then I was dead and, and here I am. So that's just embarrassing. I mean, all, all death is embarrassing, right? I think, except like charging an enemy position in a battle and, you know, but but how many guys get an opportunity to do that? Most of us to die is pretty embarrassing because you're you're like falling down and you you can't even stop yourself from hitting the ground. Then when you hit the ground, you can't even get up. And when you were young and strapping, you know, you could throw a an axe over your shoulder and go chop down a tree. And now I can't even get up off the ground. How embarrassing is that? So all death is embarrassing, but this is. This is particularly embarrassing. Um, And uh, on a positive note, um, embarrassment is well known as an effective deterrent. And so hopefully this embarrassing episode that included the unfortunate actual deaths of three young men will be a warning to other young men. Along with this broadcast, which is why we're here is to point things out like this and to hopefully um, pull people back from the edge before they careen over and embarrass themselves and and even die for all of eternity, Uh, which we don't want that to happen. Now, speaking of death for all eternity... Let's go to a story on Yuval Noah Harari. I said, speaking of death and hell for all of eternity, did I insert hell in there? Oh, once I saw Yuval Noah Harari, I immediately was reminded of hell. If you've wondered, why is there a place called hell? Why must it be that for all eternity, God needs a place to put his enemies and punish them forever? Well, it's because of Yuval Noah Harari and, and, and guys like him. Uh, he gave a speech recently. Well, he's given a number of speeches over the past few years. He asserts with confidence not only that God is a fiction, but that human rights are a fiction. Uh-huh. And, and, and by the way, I got this story from a substack over a Joseph Sassoni who is a psychologist of some sort. 
And he wrote this article on Harari, and it makes its way to us today from the Psycho Babylon file. Psycho Babylon, that's right. So Harari has made many speeches saying that God is fiction, and now he is more forcefully asserting that human rights are a fiction, because if God doesn't exist, human rights don't exist, and... One thing you can say about Yuval Noah Harari is that he is logically accurate, because if God doesn't exist, then in fact, human rights don't exist. Uh, But of course, Mr. Harari is incorrect on the first point, and so he is a deceptive and devious liar participating in the destruction of Western civilization um, on on the second part. So here's what, here's what Yuval Harari says. He explains that if you dissect a human being, there are no rights there. There is simply anatomy. And he concludes that the only place human rights exist is in the imagination. Uh-huh. In, in the imagination. Uh, countries and legal systems, heaven, God, they're not based on biological reality, he says. They are merely artifacts of the imagination. Now, where the imagination comes from, nobody apparently has challenged Harari. Because if you dissect a human being, there's also no imagination in there, Uh, uh, Yuval. But, uh, yeah, how about answering that? How come no one has... uh, Is this 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 skinny little punk so intimidating that no one's ever had the opportunity to stand up and challenge him to a a logical debate? So, But anyway, uh, Joseph Sassoni, a psychologist of some sort there on on Substack, writes regarding Yuval Noah Harari, If there are no human rights, then none of us have a right to protections under the law. We, none of us have a right to life. And that begs the question, does Yuval Noah Harari have a right to life? Well, there, the question is begged. And, and listen to how uh, Joseph San, uh, Sansoni, uh, 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 Joseph Sansoni, listen to how he answers it. He says, by Dr. Harari's worldview, oh, oh. Yuval is a doctor. (laughs) Well, he's a doctor. Now, do you think he's ever performed surgery or or diagnosed a disease? Something tells me he's not that kind of doctor. Something tells me he's a doctor in the specialty of psychobabylon. Some sort. Sociology, political science... So, or education. I'll have to look into what Harari's uh, physical doctorate is in, but we'll, we'll check it's that out. Communication. Communications? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, according to uh, Joseph Sansoni, Dr. Harari's worldview, according to his own worldview, no, he does not have a right to live. Now, fortunately for the professor, says Joseph Sansoni, We do not live by his worldview. We believe in the intrinsic value of human life. It turns out that Professor Harari, I'm sorry, if it turns out, if it turns out that Professor Harari is directly involved in the global genocide that is occurring, then he needs to face accountability. Professor Harari, says Joe, is entitled to a fair trial and due process before justice is rendered. Uh, The reason is very simple. Dr. Harari has a natural right to life. To deprive a man of this right to life without due process is an act of evil. Says Joseph Sansoni, who I was with you, Joe, that this guy, hey, he deserves a trial. That's for sure. Now, the one thing Joe doesn't call for is Mr. Harari's arrest. And so anyone giving a speech asserting that there's no such thing as human rights should be arrested. You cannot say that. You cannot advocate against the thing that holds civilization together, and that's that we respect each other's rights. If you advocate for a political position against that, you should be arrested. That's a crime. 
Now, Joe doesn't call for Yuval's arrest, but he does call for his trial, which is a little difficult to put someone on trial without arresting them. But I'll help you out, Joe. We need to arrest the guy first, and then, then he deserves a trial. And then he deserves justice to be rendered. I agree with that. Now, the reason Joe doesn't understand that Yuval should be arrested is because Joe Sansoni, psychologist of some sort, doesn't believe in God. How can I tell? Because Joe says Dr. Harari has a natural right to life. How's that? By nature, I mean, if you follow everything through, Joe, by nature, everything dies, as a matter of fact. So how could nature possibly tell you that there's a right to life? All nature can tell you is that you're fairly lucky to have an accidental chance at some life. Certainly doesn't imply a right to life. And, Joe, by the way, to, take, to deprive a man of his right to life, you call it evil. How is that? How does nature tell you if anything's evil? I mean... I saw a snake eat a mouse, and that looked evil to me. But the snake didn't think so. Even the mouse didn't think so. Because nature doesn't define evil, Joe. God defines evil. And God defines the right to life. Because God gave us life, and so we don't own it. He does. And if it weren't that way, then Yuval Noah Harari would be correct and it would all be oblivion for all of us. But it's not. And so I want to help you out, Joe. I like, I like a lot of your uh, points here. You're, you're, you're hitting all around the bullseye, Joe. But uh, you're going to go straight to hell with jet rockets. No matter how many times you say things that acknowledge God, you need to acknowledge Him yourself. And you need to trust Him for your eternal destiny, Joe. Because you can't flatter him with your words. He doesn't accept flattery. It doesn't matter that you acknowledge over and over and over all the things that God has said he is and, and, and that we should do. It, that, that, none of that matters. That's flattery. That only works with people. It doesn't work with God. I'm your host, Doug McBurney, and I know that it's long. They have some of the world's longest songs and in some of the world's longest intros. So that's what happens when you give three guys an unlimited budget and a bunch of marijuana. That, that's what happens. Um, now, from there, we go into reason number 2051. To get or keep your children out of the government schools, February is Black Lives Matter Month at school. That's right. And I have a report here from the Daily Signal where the co-founder of Moms for Liberty is warning people that uh, Black Lives Matter at school is bad. And she's urging parents to speak out against it. Speak out. How does she want you to speak out? Oh, she, we'll get to that. Um, but uh, Daily Signal reports that American government schools are dedicating the first week of February to Black Lives Matter. Let's go. <laughs> That's the uh, official catchphrase. Translated Black Lives Matter at school. Um it's, and as a matter of fact, because communists like to use as many words as possible, the entire name for the event is, quote, Black Lives Matter at school, week of action, <laughs> unquote. Yeah, it's a week of action. 
And Tina over at uh, Moms for Liberty, she recognizes that this is not good. Um, She points out that Black Lives Matter at schools' 13 guiding principles include restorative justice, globalism, queer-affirming, and transgender-affirming. The 11th principle, Black Villages, states, we disrupt the narrow Western prescribed nuclear family. Uh, uh, We support extended families that collectively care for one another, especially our children. Emphasis on the our, not your. And and so it's just old-fashioned Marxism. That's all. This is the same claptrap that toppled the government of Russia a hundred years ago and led to the deaths of a hundred million people. This is the exact same garbage. But just turn queer now, which is even, t- it's more terrifying. Why is that Black Lives Matter and the queer? Is yeah, well, that, isn't that weird? Because I've all the black guys I ever hung with, the, the brothers don't roll like that, as far as I could tell. And that was the one thing you never... With the brothers, I mean, but I, I really, but that's that's because it's Marxist at its foundation. It's not, it's not about black. Black doesn't even mean black in the sense of skin color. Black means communist, and white means capitalist. That's because this is all just Marxism, but now dressed up in queer, which is terrifying. Dressed up in queer, or as queer in queer. I I don't know what to say. Dressed up in drag? It's <laughs> Marks in drag, which is terrifying because the one thing about the Bolsheviks, they wanted to enslave your children. They didn't necessarily want to molest them. Well, hey, it's 100 years later. Guess what? The, the Bolsheviks are back, and this time they not only want to enslave you, they want to violate you as well. So it's just it's terrifying. If this is allowed to continue, this is terrifying. I mean, your children and grandchildren are going to have to fight for their lives against a bunch of demented communist perverts if we don't snuff this movement out. This can't be allowed. You cannot be allowed to advocate for political ideas that have already proven to lead to genocide. That I'm sorry. We have to draw the line somewhere. Yes, there's free speech, but you can't advocate criminal activity. So the people sponsoring Black Lives Matter at school, week of action, they should be arrested. I should say that in a female Jewish accent, by the way, not a black guy accent. I'm not sure I can pull that off. See, I'm better at a black guy accent, so it's easier for me. But the Black Lives Matter movement is founded by... Bolshevik, communist, atheistic Jewish women who hate themselves, hate God, and hate everything around them. Uh, that, and so that's the bottom line. doesn't have anything to do with black guys or black girls or, or African-American, Afrocentric, anything. All right, and so that's what's going on. Uh, old-fashioned Marxists dressed up in drag, coming to molest the children at the public schools. Hence, it's reason number 2051 to keep your children out of there. They might be molested by Marxists. Um, now, back to Tina over at Moms for Liberty. She urges parents to speak out. She also encourages parents to check and see if there's a Moms for Liberty chapter in your county. If there's not, start one. Well, they're an organization. It's a movement now. And so what they do is they send out fundraisers and they raise money to advocate for liberty in the government schools, which means things like uh, speaking out against uh, Marxist child molesters in the schools. And, and, And so what Tina doesn't understand is that she started... She's, she's actually now participating in the dialectic of the Marxist revolution. She started a dialectic industry alongside the criminally insane atheist Marxist child molester industry that effectively controls the government schools. And what, uh, what, uh, what's her name here? Tina over at Moms for Liberty doesn't understand is that one cannot reform evil. You can't do that. 
Evil must be repented of. It can't be like fixed and kept. You, no, you can't do that. So the government schools that have now been infested with Marxist child molesters, they need to be repented of. They're not fixable. Uh, Mom over there, Tina at Moms for Liberty. The parents should be encouraged to repent of the government schools. Leave them. Stop participating. Don't speak out against them. And don't start a chapter of Moms for Liberty so you can participate in the fundraising and the political action that produces an industry to where 40 years later we've got tens of millions of children with their minds raped and polluted by the Marxist child molesters and Tina at Moms for Liberty is cashing in her retirement, sitting atop uh, uh, an organization, a 501c3 organization. That's not what we meet need, Mom. We don't need another, uh, 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 what was the name of the organization? National Right to Life Committee. We don't need another one of those. Yet National Right to Life came out 40, 50 years ago. Oh, we're going to stop abortion. Here it is 50 years later. They're all retiring on fat pensions, and there's 100 million dead children. And 300 million parents and grandparents and friends who participated in, in murdering someone in their own family. That's not what we need. Evil must be repented of. It is not to be reformed. You can't fix it a little and keep some with you. Uh, Tina. All right, now, from there we move seamlessly to reason number 2049A to keep your children out of the government school is because of transgender activism. Aforementioned, this is all, it's all tied together. It's kind of hard to separate out the reasons after a while when you start wading through the piles of corrupted, perverted, Marxist agenda. Here we have a report from PatriotPost.us. The transgender agenda is supposedly simply to make others aware of their alternative identities and to be protected against discrimination or judgment because of their aforementioned uh, alternative identities. Uh, they insist, according to PatriotPost.us, that changing pronouns and names is a benign activity that and that... Uh, LGBTQ materials in the schools is actually meant simply to enlighten young minds about the way some people might choose to live their lives. And besides, anyone who's opposed can opt out. Yeah, and uh, live and let live, they say. The trannies. Live and let live. I'm, I'm not sure they say live and let live. I mean, I've seen them screaming and frothing at the mouth on social media. And I've seen them walking into schools with machine guns. That doesn't seem like a live and let live attitude, but apparently that's the uh, thinly veiled political cover that PatriotPost.us is reporting on in this article. And they say that that is not an honest representation, which, I, like I said, it was like when the trannies start walking in with semi-automatic rifles, that's when you realize that it's not really an honest um, they say that uh, 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 telling your, you that your child can simply take a sick day during the pride parade at school is dishonest because after that your child could face intense criticism for refusing to go along with the redefinition of words and it could jeopardize you and your parental rights if you were to uh, do, follow uh, uh, Tammy, T Tina's advice over at Moms for Liberty and speak out? Well, the folks over at Patriot Post say, well, that could cost you your parental rights. How do we know that? Well, let's go to a family that spoke out. That's the uh, Krista and Todd Kolstad who fed their daughter into the mouth of the beast in the government schools out there in Montana. Their teenage daughter, Jennifer, uh, well, it, it began with a call from the school, uh, which led to an immediate intervention by Child Protective Services. The family's efforts to provide a nurturing and stable environment for Jennifer. So, so what happened is she threatened to kill herself at school. And so the school 
intervened with Child Protective Services. And then the parents, in order to help their daughter, relocated her to a different school because, you know, when you're a teenager, that always helps. Let's let's go. Let's put her in a new public school. That'll be good for her. That's never difficult. Right. So they farmed her out to another fed her into another machine there. And the situation escalated following Jennifer's claims of ingesting harmful substances, a claim later refuted by medical tests because she was lying in order to manipulate her parents. And then she started uh, uh, saying she wanted to be identified as Leo saying that she had a new gender identity, and then that further escalated things. Uh, The Daily Caller reports that this has all led to a complex legal battle. Jennifer is now in a group home, again, because, you know, that always helps. Let's take a traumatized, mentally unstable girl, and let's put her in a, oh, let's put her in a group home with a bunch of other similar teenagers. (laughs) Because we're with the government. We're here to help. Uh, Now, she is being monitored 24-7 by the same governing officials who put her in the the group home. uh, They say it's due to her suicidal ideations, but some of us suspect it's just because they want to watch her because they're a bunch of perverts. I mean, it's just a possibility. Uh And, And by the way, these are her alleged suicidal ideations. I'm not willing to grant that she's actually suicidal. I am willing to grant that she wants to manipulate her parents. Um, so anyway, the court now is there's going to be hearings and yada. Jennifer could end up with her original, uh, uh, birth mother. Who's a drug addict in Canada. Uh, who, uh, who, anyway, it's just a disaster. Why? Because they spoke out. They kept their kid in the government schools and the whole time they were speaking out, the courts were moving against them and now they've taken their child, kidnapped their child, basically. Anyway, this cannot happen without the psychological molestation carried out by design in the government schools against this girl. This girl would not have threatened suicide and then identified as Leo and none of it. If, if the parents hadn't allowed her mind to be molested in the schools, which they do by design. What started out as simple negligence against their child by the parents, what the negligence was, they sent her into the government schools. Anyone who doesn't think that's negligence, you're a fool. And on Judgment Day, you'll see it was negligence. So it started out as mere negligence, and now it's turned into active harm. This kid was never suicidal. She's just a brat. She's a brat who needed a good spanking at the right time, I'm sure. But now, put her through all this, she might actually end up suicidal. And so what would have been the better option than speaking out? It would have been to flee and to take the child out. I had a a, a government school teacher wrote to me. He was upset that I had said, get your kids out of public schools. He said, well, you know... How are we supposed to be salt and light? And how are we supposed to witness? And who's supposed to be the ones? Well, not our kids. How about that? You know, if you want to go and you want to stand up for what's right and true and you want to get up in the face of the government and the criminally insane perverts who actually hold authority over the children, if you want to do that, go do it, Dad. Don't send your 13-year-old daughter to do it. Because that's not right. You go be salt and light. Don't ask your 13-year-old to go up against the forces of darkness. It's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host. Doug McBurney, thank you for sticking with us. Our, our breaks are all messed up today because I'm not sure why. It's blame it all on my extremely attractive audio engineer. She's not paying attention. She's over there taking a nap. That's when I know my jokes aren't that funny is if she falls asleep during the show, then I need to work on it. All right. Um, now we go to uh, an article from, let's see, is that what I want to do? Yeah, let's do this because we're almost out of time, actually. 
I've got uh, an article from studyfinds.com. The headline is uh, material on, I'm sorry, materialism on social media. The study finds that materialism is a growing problem. Materialism on social media is a growing problem. The study finds materialism, I'm sorry, defines materialism as the importance people attach to worldly possessions. Yeah, that seems accurate. Uh, on social media, this is manifest through posts showcasing expensive items, luxurious vacations, or a seemingly perfect lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Social media is a breeding ground for showing off. Yep. Users incessantly compare their lives with others, and they fall into a trap of materialistic desire, igniting a cycle of dissatisfaction. Well, hey, one thing you can say about this study is that at least they're studying the right things because all of that rings true to me. Yeah, but you need to study that? Well, well, (laughs) apparently nobody believes, nobody knows anything uh, uh, intuitively anymore. They need a study. Mm. Now, the things that, uh, if you just read the Old Testament, this would all be obvious that this was a problem. (laughs) Because it's been a problem before social media, but social media intensifies it. Right. And I'm sure that's true. Um, And then um, the study acknowledges that there are risks for materialistic individuals, meaning for everyone. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the risks are for materialistic people, not us. But, you know, those people who are materialistic. (laughs) It's like, who? (laughs) Anyway, um, the doctor who wrote the study advises against completely abandoning social media. Which you're like, well, why? <laughs> why are you advised? You say, well, this could destroy your life and lead to a cycle of dissatisfaction, but don't abandon it. Uh, instead, he suggests mindfulness and incorporating materialism and social media assessments in mental health treatment. That's right. So keep some of it because we'll probably come up with a pill for that. And I might invest in that company. I mean, I don't know that this doctor actually would ever do anything like that or that any doctors would ever do anything like that, ever. But I'm just saying that that's what struck me when I read that. Let's incorporate materialism, social media assessments in mental health treatments. Anyway, he says all this highlights the need for self-awareness. I think, I think self-awareness is the foundation of the whole materialistic problem. Is, I think it's not being aware of other people or being just ov- overly aware of oneself is the problem. Um, anyway, I, I just want to give everyone out there some advice. If you believe in the God of the Bible and the afterlife, you are less likely to be overly obsessed with worldly possessions and status and obsession with where you match up to everyone. That's all. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to cure you. I had a friend, I preached the gospel to a friend, and he said, I wish I could find the joy and the peace in all of that that others have. And I said, hey, I'm not offering you joy and peace. I'm telling you about the gospel and the Bible and saving your soul from eternal damnation. I'm not saying it's going to bring you joy and peace. Anyway, I'm telling you that believing in God and understanding and believing the gospel, trusting in Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation, will help nip these problems in the bud. And it'll help you become aware of it before you become a self-obsessed, extraordinarily annoying person who posts things on social media that makes other people want to strangle you. Which is not a healthy thing to do to your friends and family members. Post things that make them want to strangle you. Because it's not good for them to want to strangle you. So could you just stop posting every little thing about your life that not even your mom cares that much for crying out loud. All right. And oh yeah, I'm really impressed with the Gucci bag. Oh, wow. Uh-huh, right. Like you didn't get that down on the street corner there from the... One of those canvas half-tent things. Uh-huh. Yeah, that really looks like a Gucci. Did you realize that Gucci's supposed to have two Cs? Nice bag. 
All right. Uh, now, let's see. Uh, let's make one more. Oh, let, let's do the deep fakes real quick because people are worried about deep fakes, right? I had a, a, a deep fake is a video, photograph, or audio clip that's totally fabricated, but it makes it seem like, uh, like my friend sent me a deep fake email. Now, he, he wasn't trying to fake me out. He told me it was fake. But it was, um, it was Joe Biden and Donald Trump knitting together and shopping together and laughing and hugging one another. And, and so, but and 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 I, I suppose that the the untrained eye might think that that looked some somewhat. I mean, the editing was impressive. It was it looked pretty good, you know. It, it did look pretty good. So, but now people are worried that that people are going to be genuinely misled by deep fakes to the point where they will act on the deep fake. Well, I thought that was called advertising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, yeah. but people are even more worried that, that, oh, like a deep fake will come out that will destroy someone's career because it will imply that they did something horrible, right? Mm -hmm. And so you'll, your, your career could be destroyed uh, by a deep fake. And so um, the, the Liberty Daily had an article on, on deep fakes that could be produced by generat gen generative AI and they, they pointed to a deep fake about one particular famous person who apparently she is the most famous person in the world right now. And so I have vowed to never utter her name, especially on this show, but preferably never even in public. And so if you're not sure who she is, she's the most famous person on the planet right now. And just picture in your mind, if you have gen a generative uh, uh, intelligence, uh Gin up in your mind a picture of a completely manufactured formula pop star who does not play any instruments, has never written a song, and may or may not actually even sing well because we may or may not have ever actually heard her voice. Okay, do you have it in your mind who she is? That, that way I don't have to actually say who she is. All right, so there's worries... That let's say apparently some some deep fakes on this particular vacuous uh, formula pop star came out over the past week, and people were concerned because uh, the deep fakes. Let's just say they weren't flattering of her, and um, she's very upset about it. And other people are even more upset about it. Everyone's upset, and and now it's got people concerned about the fact that deep fakes. Uh, could be believed and could affect people's opinions and actions and and just all kinds of problems, right? Coming up, coming up around these uh, deep fakes. In fact, uh, the White House press secretary, um, Karine Jean Pierre, who herself is in fact a deep fake, she actually made a a fake statement about the problem of deep fakes, which is kind of ironic to have a deep fake making a fake comment about deep fakes. Which tells you how scary this all is. She said that uh, while social media companies make their own independent decisions about content management, we believe they have an important role to play in enforcing their own rules to prevent the spread of misinformation and non-consensual intimate imagery of real people. Uh, unquote said Corrine Jean-Pierre. Notice how she said social media companies make their own independent decisions. Did you notice that extra word stuck in there? Well, if it's their own decision, then it's obviously independent. John, Jean, Jean, Cream. We don't need that extra word, independent. The reason you stuck that in here is because you know it's a lie. You know that social media companies are directed by you and other deep fakes atop the pile of perverts who see civilization. You know that, that they're not making independent decisions, so you stuck independent in there because you're a liar. Not only are you a AGI or what is it called AI, you're you're a GAI generated deep fake phony. You're also a liar, uh, and you say that they have a role oh, oh, over what she calls non-consensual intimate imagery. That's the new. That's the new word for dirty pictures because 
apparently, according to Corrine John Deepfake Pierre, consensual intimate imagery is a different thing, and I'm sure she's fine with all of that because she's not even real, so... <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, in case you're worried about deep fakes, and of course in the age, the dawning age of artificial intelligence, which reminds me of the dawning of the age of the internet, where an awful lot of things are blown enormously out of their potential uh, 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 proportion. I remember the internet was going to have the power to do all the things they're saying about AI now. They said that about the internet 30 years ago. And it turned out to be, no, we weren't quite that smart. And the internet wasn't quite that sophisticated. So it's had its goods and its bads, but it didn't build a, a, a monster robot computer machine to destroy all of civilization. Take all of our jobs. All the same stuff they said 30 years ago about the internet. So 35 years ago. Anyway, so... Um, if you are worried about deep fakes, though, and if you're worried about uh, 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 artificial intelligence destroying everything and us and our jobs, it's mostly because you lack a certain amount of, of just... Uh, it's hard for me to define what it is that you lack. I mean, I want to say courage, but I don't want to offend everybody out there because almost everybody's scared to some degree about this. And it's mostly because you're just kind of wimpy, that's all. It's like, buck up, come on, man. But anyway, if you are worried about uh, deep fakes, uh, the, there's a bipartisan Preventing Deep Fakes of Intimate Images Act. So now you don't have to worry because you know that everything's being taken care of. All right, now my prediction is that deep fakes will be defeated by inexpensive apps developed by the industrial equivalent of 7th graders that detect the easily detectable obviousness of a fake computer-generated image, video, speech. The same with AI, by the way. The tools of the creature will never match the tools of the creator, and other creatures will always be able to tell when it's fake mm -hmm. if they want to. 